Lori Houston's News for the Heart is dedicated to helping you give a voice to your own soul. Our hearts have the power to free us from pain and the struggles that keep us from awakening to our true essence. Join Lori now as we delve into our heart and soul to find the path that will open us to the possibilities and lead us to the life we love to live. Hey, good afternoon. This is News for the Heart. And as I as I said last month, I was going to have Christopher Papadopoulos back. He is the author of a new book called Peace and Where to Find It. And we did an excellent interview on all the concepts in the book. And I wanted to have him back because I wanted to go over the practices because I saw them. Of course, they're both necessary, but I really wanted to get into the juice of the concepts so that we could spend the next show focused on all of the practices because that's really where you want to get to. Um, You need to understand, maybe you don't, maybe, you know, getting our minds involved just, um, I don't know, sometimes it certainly interferes, but I think that because we are such a mental society, we like to sort of grasp an understanding of concepts and I think the concepts were simple enough that you wouldn't get your head and mind into it too much, Um, but you do sort of have to understand so that you can sort of check yourself and um, know when you're in a stressful position or know when you're not in in a state of peace, which of course is an inner state and it is our, it is our, our, our way of being if we weren't so stressed all the time. <laughs> so welcome back, Christopher. Hello, it's nice to hear your voice again, Lori, and hello to everyone listening. Yeah, now the volume's gone way up, so we're going to put you back down a bit. Um, <laughs> yes, you know, yeah, I, I mean, that's where I think, I think it was just so incredibly important. And um, so anyway, I know that you know, a lot of my work is about the heart and getting yourself out of your head and into your heart. But you have an interest, I mean, you talk about the heart more as a practice and how it's important as part of the practice. So why don't we look at how the heart plays in this whole aspect of bringing peace and beginning to understand the practice of um, being peace. Yes, um, this is a, a good point, and is why I emphasize the heart in the book. Um, there's a lot of talk about uh, being more heart-centered and feeling from our hearts, etc. But because we are in what I call an ego-dominated society, that is, uh, a mental-dominated society, um, thoughts, emotions, reactions, etc., behaviors with which we identify, That's what I call the egoic condition. This condition dulls our awareness of our hearts and our body in general. And when that happens, we can't stop the chatter, which produces emotional reactions in the body and creates stress in our lives. And so when I emphasize heart awareness and body awareness in the book, it is to really feel the sensations in the body and especially the heart area. And so... Um, just becoming more aware of when we feel our so-called shielding around the heart and when we are 
relaxing and letting that go, there's an actual physical feeling that accompanies the idea that we're surrendering to the moment or opening our hearts. And it remains such a conceptual thing for a majority of the planet, as I said, because we all live in this conceptual, um, abstract realm um, just by having the thinker switched on all the time. Yeah, it's it is one of our biggest issues, I think. It's just we just we don't realize we don't realize how much we use our mind like how much that thinking aspect is being involved in our every day, every moment, every second part of our, our lives. So yes. So the heart is really important and the first the first practice you sort of gave us was around just learning how to relax um, and just like some quick, simple things. I think we mentioned them in the first show, but let's go over them again because they're quick and simple. Sure. And it's what I call, well, there were a few things that we went over, but one of the, in terms of the heart, that's really beneficial is learning to unclench our muscles uh, everywhere in the body, but especially in three particular areas, the jaw, the shoulders, and in the solar plexus diaphragm region. Um, we hold a lot of tension there, and what's what I call unnecessary tension, because most of the time it serves no purpose. If we're driving our car, or we're on the phone, or we're holding a cup of coffee, having a tense jaw serves no purpose. Having an overly tense diaphragm solar plexus area serves no purpose. And unfortunately, what happens is that extra unnecessary tension is used as fuel by the thinking mind to keep incessantly thinking, which then produces emotional reactions in the body to those thoughts. And then we end up with more and more stress building up during the day. And so uh, one of the practices is unclenching muscles throughout the day. And we can start by focusing on just being aware during the day being aware during the day, is my jaw clenched? And then we just kind of loosen it up a bit. We can move it from side to side. Even yawning can help uh, unclench a jaw, which is actually another practice that we do to practice how to yawn at will uh, with the techniques in the book. And that can relax the jaw. And then, you know, being aware of where our shoulders are, our shoulders riding up around our ears, or <laughs> as is very common, you know, when we're driving or, or we're just dealing with a situation we're not, uh, we're not happy with or uncomfortable with. And, of course, for the same thing with the solar plexus area, um, just learning to unclench. And sometimes one of the <clears throat> easiest ways to be aware of for clenching it uh, or it's relaxed is deliberately clenching it more. Um, so if we clench even more our solar plexus area, then we can make a distinction between, ah, okay, this now it's really tight, and now it's relaxing, tight, and now I'm relaxing it. So it's really developing a new body memory of when we are tense and when we're relaxed, because we're tense so often, we're not really aware, we've lost our body sensitivity to know what true relaxation is in the body, and the more you do these techniques, it is amazing absolutely amazing these deeper and deeper levels of relaxation that we thought were not possible it's almost infinite in terms of feeling deeper and deeper levels of release surrender letting go and relaxation in the body right 
Yeah, I, I was amazed at the beginning, and of course, I've sort of fallen off, and I'm going to be going back there again. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it is a practice. It's something you just have to be aware of at all times, and it, it is amazing how, you know, if I start with my jaw, I, I will see it. And then, of course, if you focus on your jaw, your shoulders, and your diaphragm, then if they're relaxed, then your heart can be more open. Or you can be more aware of when your heart isn't open. Exactly. And that's why I emphasize those three locations in the body. Of course, during the day, we'll also notice maybe the thighs or the ankles the toe are tight or the, or the toes are clenched or our fingers. And we can relax every part of the body. And it's, these are, this is also discussed in the book. But I emphasize those three areas, particularly because they do surround the heart area. And... One of the great benefits of learning how to be in control of when our hearts are feeling physically feeling more re- surrendered, relaxed, and open is whatever happens in the heart, the rest of the body follows much more easily. So if we're much more relaxed in the heart area, the rest of the body relaxes as well. And this is essential, as I point out in the book, because the more relaxed the body is, um, the easier it is to feel the body. And when we do so, the easier it is to enter the present moment. Right. Um, I want to get into the actual practices of the heart because there's some really fascinating things. But I think before we do that, we have to kind of talk about the emotional practice. Because if we're not aware of our emotions, we certainly can't do the exercise that you suggest in helping us open up our heart. So let's talk about emotional practice. Yes. One of the things that I mention in the book is when we notice our emotions is we are doing our best in any situation to not read the emotion, not interpret the emotion um, as uh, a concept, an idea, uh, even if it's the idea of betrayal or the idea of rejection or fear, because even though we have feelings in the body that we label as such, Really, it's it remains much more the conceptual realm, and we don't really go into our bodies to feel what's actually happening there. For example, emotions essentially are energy under pressure, and if we can tune in to our emotions and feel them and sit with them as energy under pressure, we develop a new and different relationship with our emotions. We feel them as energy under pressure, so if there's fear or a sense of betrayal or rejection or shame or frustration or whatever it is, we don't focus on that label. We go deeper into the body and feel the actual physical reality of the emotional phenomenon in the body. So it might be a sensation of cold or warmth. It might be movement in the body moving diagonally or up and down or in circles. It might be a feeling of stuckness. Whatever it is, observe and rest in those sensations. And that is the first step in in having us begin to separate the emotional phenomenon in the body from the story which we give it in our heads. And it's important to make that separation. Otherwise, once we have the emotion in the body, it will then act as fuel for more thoughts. And those more incessant thoughts will act as more fuel for that emotion. And so we break that link by coming to rest in the body with our attention and feeling these emotions as physically felt phenomena, almost like observing it like a scientist would, so to speak, as opposed to uh, what I would say a drama student. 
Yeah, it's kind of amazing, really, when you think about it. I mean, we put so much emphasis, especially, you know, we're such a mental society and we, you know, we think about fixing and, you know, analyzing and, you know, our whole society is based around that aspect. But if we just look at emotions as an energy, it's quite different. Yes, and we begin to have less fear of being overwhelmed or dominated by these emotions. So in the practice in the book, for example, we can begin to observe to the best of our ability because I know sometimes it is very difficult and very overwhelming, very traumatizing. We begin by trying to observe the emotional phenomena as physical sensations in the body. Often they will be located in the torso. When it does feel a little overwhelming, we then move our attention perhaps to the peripheries of the body. Can we feel the tips of our fingers, the backs of our knees, our elbows, our toes, some peripheral part of our body and place our attention there until we feel safe enough to return our attention to the emotional phenomenon in the torso area, for example, and we can go back and forth gently over a period of time, and what happens is we notice that the emotional pressure in the torso area begins to dissipate because our attention actually creates space around that emotion, that phenomenon, and that space allows it allows that emotion, emotion, that energy under pressure to dissipate into that new space we've created and gradually begin to dissolve. And as well, the, the more that we place our attention on peripheral body parts, and we, we feel the aliveness there, for example, we also then have the intellectual understanding and the confidence that we are not our emotion. We are not this fear, this trauma, this sense of betrayal or shame or whatever it is that is overwhelming us at this moment, because we can still feel aliveness and being in other parts of the body, like fingers or toes or elbows or knees or back of the body that are not experiencing this betrayal, this shame, this fear, whatever this, uh, whatever it is that we label uh, as the emotion in the body. So by going back and forth, we can uh, gently come to rest our, uh, with our attention in the core of our body, the core of our trauma, and begin to dissipate it. And, and this gives us confidence over time that we are not the emotions, and that we are the witness to the emotions. And then we don't have to add it to the story, which is what we usually do because there's so much story around the pressure that is this energy. Like there's so much that we we want to, I don't know, is it that we want to identify with it? Is it we want to, I guess we want to make it our own. Like we want to make reason for feeling uncomfortable. Absolutely. Um, it is very sticky energy, or, or I can say almost magnetic or electromagnetic. We are so strongly attracted to these uh, emotions. And one of the reasons is we have over time, this is not the first time we have felt fear or shame or betrayal or, or any type of grief. Um, and we have made a story out of them. And so as soon as we feel it, it's like, ah, there. it's almost like getting an injection in the veins. There's that good old feeling again, even if it's something that's very painful Sometimes something that is familiar to us can be as, com- even if it's painful, can be a form of comfort 
just that it's it's part of who we are and it's, it's, this is part of my tragic or victim story and at least I've got that because without that what do I have that is one reason uh, we're attracted to it um, another reason is we do have something called or we can call it the pain body and this is a collection of past pain that is built up over time pain that has not been observed and witnessed in this fashion as we're describing and therefore not accepted and not released and this buildup of, uh, of pain in the body, this energy field of pain in the body is very attracted to these strong emotional episodes and will cling to them and it's almost like fuel, it's like this pain body is largely based on negative energy and so it feeds on any new negative energy so it again it's strongly attracted to our energy field and then of course then the mind gathers that up and makes use of it too and then you get that vicious cycle of thoughts creating emotions creating more thoughts and I call that the egoic cycle right now a lot of times when we think about emotions we're really thinking about negative emotions but if we want to go to a place of peace or that you know that state of unconditional love and there are a lot of people out there that, you know, suggest we should be in a blissful state all the time. But that kind of high emotion also has a pressure to it. Like there's also, um, there's also a, I guess, a catch if you try to try to be exuberant all the time. I mean, one, there's possibly some denial but also I mean I think there's still there's still a, a a pitfall like there's still a catch to it would you agree yes I would uh, I mentioned this uh, in the book as well um, I'm not against positive thinking or visualizing um, especially in the early stages of our practice or when there is a particularly difficult situation just using, you know, uh, affirmations or using visualizations to make us, you know, to induce a better feeling or a, a less pressured or more satisfying or pleasurable feeling in the body is a good thing. The problem is, uh, generally, we, we rely on this and we rely on it because we don't have any other techniques like the techniques uh, I, re I recommend in the book. Um, when we use uh, visualizations, or affirmations, we are still using that um, that thinker. We're still using that voice in the head that is pretending to be us, which is this the phenomenon that is impeding our feeling good, our feeling of peace almost all the time, or joy, or love. And so we can use it um, in small amounts, but we must be aware that it's still conceptual, it's still abstract or virtual, and that uh, will strengthen the ego over the long run. It'll strengthen this voice in the head, this false persona, and it'll create more problems in the future. So if we use it in small amounts, great, but then we go into the body and do deeper practices, and our goal then, as you're saying, is not trying to induce these euphoric bliss states all the time, because that can also end up just being another escape, yeah. and we never come to um, rest with our attention and feel safety in the body to rest our attention there and therefore the pain body this energy field of pain from uh, collected from our past continues and will feed into our thinking and that perpetuates yeah 
I guess that's what's called spiritual bypass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Very, very common, of course. Yeah, well, it uh, is. And so many people, you know, suggest that that's the way to attract everything you want. You know, just focus in on that vibration and, and everything will come to you. But it, it really is a pitfall. It is. And it's very tricky because there is some truth to it that sure. this we as what I call this aspect of God, we as life itself, as peace itself, intelligent, wise peace itself, have the same capacity as the universe, as the creator of the universe, so to speak, to manifest things. And we are little manifestors. We're just not quite at the scale yet uh, as, you know, we are when we experience our totality. As individuals, as unique expressions of this totality, we are little manifestors, and so part of this visualizing and trying to attract things is based on some wisdom. But unfortunately, what's doing it most of the time is this um, thinker, is this voice in the head. And this is the, the one that's actually preventing our manifestations from coming to being. Well said. <laughs> okay, so... I don't know where I want to go now. I mean, there's a great practice, and I'm 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 imagining that you would do an excellent meditation on, but on you know just becoming really aware. And usually, the best time to do it is when you're trying to fall asleep, which a lot of people have ish problems with, not issues, but it is that thinker part of us that usually is preventing us from falling asleep. Um, something will come up, and you know everybody has their own ways of dealing with it, which is, you know, have paper and pen so you can write down what your, you know, what your worries are for the day or, you know, have a recorder. But ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, those things really don't matter. And if you could get into a practice of doing, you know, your meditative practice <laughs> yes. right before going to sleep and even you know as you're waking up it allows you definitely to get into the body do you want to talk about this do you want to maybe have us go through an example of what you would how what you would do as a as a meditation it's up to you okay well let me talk about it first okay. um and where this came from was um years ago um teaching and in particular in california um teaching some of these techniques a few years ago, maybe it's five uh, to seven years ago now, uh, I was running into a lot of students who were very busy people, and of course this is common everywhere in the world, and basically it was, Christopher, I do not have time to meditate during the day. You're saying how important all this stuff is, and I don't have time. And I had to prove to them that they do have time. Uh, and I mentioned that in the book, that we all do have time um, that's why I also design these techniques for people that don't have time that we can and, and the people are surprised actually that we can come up with hours a day when we're waiting in line waiting for a text message uh, um, waiting at the supermarket or in traffic we're we're you know just waiting for our show to begin again out in between commercials there are so many times during the day when we're waiting for something and we're, what we're doing is we're anticipating the next moment and it's in these moments we can actually cultivate a deep body and breath awareness and make this our meditation practice. And one of the most powerful times of day, of course, as you mentioned, is just before falling asleep and right before we get out of bed in the morning. 
Why? Because during these times, we already have the intention of being relaxed and lying down and being still, or we already already are in that state like we are in the morning, deeply relaxed. And so half the, half the work is done for you. Um, and yes, there are some people who say you should be sitting up when you meditate, etc. But I learned over time in my practice, uh, personal practice, I always, almost always meditated either lying down or walking. So I was doing the opposite of what a lot of people uh, t- told me to do. And so one of the things is, is when we, for example, before falling asleep, we already have the intention to relax and to fall asleep. Taking, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, for example, before we fall asleep and to focus our attention on our feet, for example. And we do these body scans, which some people in, 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 in uh, spiritual circles are familiar with. Um, and starting with our feet, for example, and just see if we can feel our feet. And uh, if we can't feel our feet, and a lot of people can't, it's, it's very interesting, people will find dead spots throughout their body, different parts of the body where they simply cannot feel anything. And that's not a failure, that's a huge success. You've taken a huge step in awareness of your own personal geography, your own personal landscape. So if you start with your feet, for example, and you can't feel them, you can just rub them together or twitch the muscles to focus your attention there and to begin to feel them. And with practice, you won't just feel the surface sensations of your feet and your muscles or warmth. You will feel an inner vibrant aliveness, uh, an inner energy body. And this energy body acts as a bridge between the act, our actual deepest essence as a vibrant, vibrantly still peace and this manifest world that we all live, this physical world we all live in. And we can rest our awareness and uh, attention on that vibration. Some people can call it chi or prana. In Christian circles, they call it grace. Um, and once we feel a little bit at least of that part of the body we can work up to our ankles and then our shins and calves and our knees and we go up part by part through our body placing our attention there we're not trying to force anything we're just trying to feel the aliveness that's there simply can i feel the difference between you know my legs and the ground or mattress that they are lying on resting on just really learning to concentrate and focus our attention on different body parts and over time we begin to feel this aliveness emerge. It's a, it's a vibrant aliveness that is always there but has been dulled by the incessant thinking and reacting of our minds. So we work our way up the body and what happens in early, early on in our practice is a lot of people halfway up the body fall asleep. <laughs> but that's perfect because you want to fall asleep anyway, right? So there's no judgment here. It's, it's perfectly fine. It, even for people, I recommend uh, this to people who are insomniacs or have trouble sleeping and they get up 2, 3 in the morning. Um, don't stress out because if you do this practice, it's equivalent uh, in doing this for half an hour or an hour to get yourself to relax or fall asleep is as good as a half an hour or an hour of sleep, maybe even more, as I mentioned in the book. And so you don't have to feel part of the stress of not being able to sleep is the fear, my God, I have to wake up in the morning and I'm not going to be rested. And and so we we create more anxiety and then it makes it even worse. So you can do this exercise anytime, just scanning the body. I, I go through it step by step in the book. And I also mention, and once you go through that um, technique, uh, I mentioned in the book, you can add a few other techniques um, and make it a, a longer meditation with time. And there are there are times when 
I don't go to bed for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours because the meditation is so vibrant and so good, it feels better than sleeping. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just continue with it until I fall asleep. But if you just do it for 10 minutes, that's fine too. That's fine too. And you do the same thing before getting up in the morning, before we switch on to autopilot and we, we get out of bed and we rush around and we're just a, a, a fog, you know, this fog in our heads is, is, we're experiencing. Um Take a few minutes and you'll notice it's actually easier to feel this life force, this energy field in the body when we wake up in the morning because there is a period of time during when we slept when we are a sense that our attention has returned to that source of all things, we can say, that dreamless sleep state when we return to uh, our essence. And so tapping into that energy when we, when we sleep we wake up in the morning and we can feel this vibrant aliveness throughout the body, place our attention on that, scan the body again, rest and, and bask in that feeling, enjoy it. It's a very satisfying feeling. And then you can get up out of bed gently and, and go on with your day and you'll find you will feel a lot better during the day. And of course, it's about feeling, not seeing. So not visualizing the parts, which, I mean, may be part of how someone has to do it in the beginning but it's more it's not about visualizing or seeing it it's about feeling the energy and feeling the body parts i have a problem with my middle toe <laughs> congratulations it's a huge success because you didn't know that before That's doing so these techniques so there was a part of your body that was trying to tell you there's a stuck energy here there's a there's, there's a block in our awareness and your body was trying to give you signals in different ways to illnesses or cramps or other types of conditions to get you to notice that. And now you know something very important. And also, you're able, just through the power of your attention, your non-judgmental attention, as you're saying, it's a felt attention. You're not reacting. You're not uh, um, judging uh, or labeling what you're doing, like this is silly or hurry up, I want to feel something, or I can't feel something, this is terrible. You're just focusing on the sensations or lack of sensations. And the power of our attention is that it brings these sensations to life, so to speak, because we, we begin to resensitize ourselves. And we also come to realize we are attention itself. We are the attention behind the thinker and even behind these sensations. Attention, awareness is always there. Hmm. I'd also like to add, um, when you mentioned that it's not something that we think about, People who do these exercises, they will notice that, of course, the mind said, if we've gotten to the point in our practice where, or in our lives where the mind is agreeing to let us go to a retreat or let us do an exercise or read a book, then, you know, the ego, almost like a little enthusiastic kid, says, okay, I want to help. And so what can it do? It creates a visual picture of the body part, just as you were implying. And that's okay, but even though the, the mind is trying to help, we want to drop out of our heads and back into our bodies. And thank you, thinker. Thank you, mind, for giving us a visualization of a body part because you're trying to help, but the mind can't help with this exercise. We drop out of our thoughts, back into our body, and into the pure experience, the direct felt experience of our body sensations. Right. Right. Okay. Um, maybe we'll end with the meditation. Why don't we talk about the importance of silence? <laughs> and we could just be silent. 
but you got that. You got that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> As I describe um, in the book, um, silence, you can say, is our interpretation of our true formless God nature, if you will, our creator nature as interpreted through the ears in general, whereas empty space, for example, is another place we can place our, our focus, is this same formless source of all things, which we are in essence, as interpreted through the eyes. And so when we focus on silence, it is another anchor for our attention, like focusing on stillness within the body uh, or, or stillness and empty space around us. These are anchors for our, for our attention, um, just as silence is. And when we place our attention there while doing, which is something we haven't covered yet is a daily awareness routine, um, to constantly relax the body then we'll find our awareness of the present moment much more powerful and we'll begin to feel and experience this sense of being the witness, the witnessing presence to all forms, that is, to all events, to all objects, including the body, thoughts, emotions, anything. We will feel like we are this permanent peace, this intelligent, vibrant stillness that is aware of all of this, but is formless. And so silence is one of the ways um, that we can accomplish that. If I'm going to lead everyone now through a little something, I would like to um, start with what I call the daily awareness routine, because to me it forms the basis for all the practices we do in our daily life, whatever you do in your daily life, including spiritual practices. Um, this daily awareness routine was, de was devised um, to be the base for whatever else you do. Because when we do any type of spiritual practice, the mind interprets it as a doing. And so I have to try really hard to be a good meditator. I have to really hold this yogic pose. I have, we, and we really place a lot of effort. And when we do, the body naturally responds with muscle tension. If any type of effort, including mental effort and concentration, the interpretation by the body is this is an effort, and so it is it also produces physical tension. But this physical tension is unnecessary tension, and it will fuel more thinking, which pulls us away from where we want to be in our meditation practice, in our practice and being in the here and now. And so during the day, and even while we're doing the practice, like uh, which we'll do right now, you feel the temperature of your breathing. You can, When you inhale, you'll notice in your nostrils, in your throat, and your upper chest, that the air is generally a little cooler on the inhale and the air is generally a little warmer in your upper chest, throat, and nostrils when you exhale. Anchoring your attention on that temperature is a way of assuring that you really are feeling your breathing instead of just thinking about, okay, am I breathing? Breathe, just breathe, just breathe. So we use that little temperature differential as an anchor for our attention to really feel our breathing. And so everyone can do that right now. Just, just notice the inhale.
and the exhale. Inhaling, it's cooler in the nostrils, the back of the throat and the chest, and the air is warmer on the exhale. A nice full breath expands the belly below the navel. Relax your shoulders. Relax your diaphragm. And of course your jaw. Feel that ease and well-being spread throughout the body. And whatever it is we are sitting upon or resting upon, we let that take all of our weight and sink into it. Sink into the mattress, the chair, the floor. This physical surrender is a key component of the important psychological and emotional surrender we wish to accomplish in simply being and being from the heart. Notice the inhale again, cooler. Feel the temperature of the exhale. Notice if there's any other, if there are any other body parts that are unnecessarily clenched and unclench them. Expanding the lower belly with every breath and sinking more deeply into whatever it is you are resting upon. More and more surrendered. More and more accepting of whatever is at this moment, just the way it is. your mind trying to help with a visualization or a comment, that's okay. Drop out of your thoughts back into the body. Just feel the aliveness of your body. It simply exists. Feel it. 
you will notice the more relaxed you feel, the more spacious you feel. You place your attention on the sensations in the body and you notice it becomes a little more difficult to know where the mattress or the chair or the floor ends and you begin. You feel the parts of your body making contact with whatever it is you're resting upon. Can you really feel a sharply defined point where you end and something else begins? Once again, we do a quick tension check in our bodies. The jaw, the diaphragm, and the shoulders. Any other unnecessary tension that comes from trying to do an exercise. Trying to be perfect in our practice. Let go of that idea. Just feel what's there without judgment or reaction. Feel what's in the body. Coolness on the inhale. warmer on the exhale. Shift your attention right now to the space just one or two inches outside of your ears, a few inches above your shoulders. Listen into that space. There may be sounds passing through that space originating from further away but for most of us, notice that there are no sounds originating from that quiet space above your shoulders and just outside of your ears. Tune in to the silence in that space. And you are tuning in to your true nature, your true essence, which is a permanent peace.
this silence is always there waiting for you to notice it. The fact that we don't notice it is one of the reasons why we suffer on this planet. Open your eyes now, some of you. You'll notice it'll be easier to perceive the empty space between you and whatever it is you're looking at. That empty space between you and around you, which forms the majority of the space you're in. It's just another way of experiencing that silence. Another way of experiencing our true essence is a pure formless awareness. And if we spend as much time, at least as much time during our day, noticing silence, even in the noisiest environment, there is plenty of silence if you know how to tune into it. Noticing space, noticing both of these during our day, given these, our attention as much as the activities of our lives and our thoughts about things and our reactions about things, that alone can transform your life quite rapidly. That's great. Thank you. My pleasure. Let's talk about Meta Bhavana. Meta Bhavana? Yeah, Meta Bhavana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, there's different. Most people in English will just call it Meta Bhavana and, 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 and inflect there on the, on the A on Bhavana, I think. But it's, I don't consider anything right or wrong there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yes, because then we wouldn't be practicing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, some people are sticklers for, for the correct, correct pronunciation of things, which is fine, but then we get caught up in, 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 again, the form of things or the definition of things and not the actual practice of things. Right. So it's totally fine. <laughs> so it's loving kindness, and it's something that... I think we probably, you know, I think we're much more kind to others than we are to ourselves. I think that's probably one area that we need to focus more attention on is, is our own self when it comes to loving kindness. But what are, what are some of the things that you recommend in practicing? Well, um, 
One of the main reasons that Metta Bhavana is very popular uh, in Buddhist circles, for example, in this loving-kindness uh, meditation, it does help us with experiencing uh, gratitude. It helps us with developing or our, our fine-tuning our sense of empathy and connection to those outside of our family or tribe, so to speak, and extend this to everyone on the planet, including all other forms, all other species. Um, basically, so this practice helps us with that connection because anything involved with the heart is essentially uh, involved with helping us become aware of our collective oneness because it is through the heart and the energy field around the heart where, where we um, really have the direct knowing that we all are collectively interconnected, we all are collectively one. And that is the source of our, um, this, this collective oneness, this all of us being the totality, the all, one being interacting from different perspectives in different bodies. Um, this is the source of our empathy and compassion. It's basically is this sense of coming to realize what already is the truth. We are one, and we call it empathy. We call it connection uh, or compassion, and we're reaching out, we're caring, we're loving. But love is that felt recognition of our oneness. You have a really great exercise um, that I highly recommend with regards to our heart and I, I want to say others, but it doesn't necessarily have to be about others. Although I think that's probably where you would start when you were trying to think of um, specifically, well, specifically a very positive experience as well as a negative experience. <laughs> yes. Um, and as I said, even though Metta Bhavana, this loving kindness uh, meditation is usually focused on uh, those outside of us. Why I have it in the book, most importantly, is to develop, again, a greater sensitivity of when our hearts are opened, yeah. our own hearts are opened or closed. Because when they are closed, we are the rest of our bodies, we're also a lot less aware of that. We are much more in our reactivity, much more in our heads, and this disconnects us from the, from the peace of the present moment. It disconnects us from our true being, and and the, the, what ensues naturally is a feeling of discomfort and suffering because the body is telling us we're not aligned with the here and now, we're not aligned with uh, our hearts and the awareness that we are collectively one. And so, um, I I start with visualizations um, in the book, and it could be um, you starting with something what we just did different little techniques to relax ourselves and get us more receptive and more prepared for a deeper meditation. And then we can switch uh, um, our visualizations from a, a, a loving image to a neutral image to a negative image. And yes, this is one place in the book where I allow visualizations mm. <laughs> because generally I am trying to move us away from that um, just because we, we, we are too head-focused on the planet, and even visualizations, when they're well-meaning, can keep us lost in this uh, conceptual realm. So, But this is one place where we use visualizations to boost a physically felt experience in the body. And I start with three items, we, getting the reader to 
choose a loving image and then they choose what I call a neutral image. It could be, you know, someone that works at the grocery store that you have no opinion of or a, a, an inanimate object that you have no positive or negative relationship or attachment to. And then also um, coming up with a negative image. It could be a person or event, something that's strongly negative for you. And then I take the reader uh, step by step to experiencing each of these visualizations but the importance is not resting our attention in the visualization and, and giving blessings or anything like that. That's a different exercise. In this exercise, we are we are holding the visualization for 15 to 30 seconds, and we are resting our attention on the physical felt experience in the body. And you'll notice when you go from the loving image to the neutral image, or the loving image to the negative image, how the heart closes up so quickly. And when we, when we return to the loving image, the heart opens up again. And I make the the vital point in the book that it's just you alone in your room, lying down. No one has done anything to you. It is This is the power that our thoughts have over us. It's the same room as it was minutes before you did the exercise. It'll be the same room or the same space you're in after you do the exercise. The power of your visualizations have completely influenced what is going on in your heart. And so when we learn that we have full control over the heart experience and what we and how open it physically feels, this is also very empowering for us. And it makes us realize that we can't rely on affirmations and visualizations forever. It, it's a losing battle. It's constantly trying to counteract negativity in our lives with little affirmations and positive visualizations. We use this exercise to realize we have power over op the opening and closing of our hearts all the time. And by becoming present and deeply body aware to become present to quiet the mind, we naturally open our hearts. Being present in, in the moment allows us to naturally open the hearts without any affirmations or visualizations. We realize it is our natural state. Yeah. It's, it's, it is amazing and highly recommended. You know, there's so much in this book and even two interviews just does not do it justice. <laughs> I mean, it's very simple, but it's there's just so much. I mean, I love the Yes Walk meditation or the Yes Walk. I don't know if you call it a meditation, a walking meditation, I would call it. It is. It, you can call it that. Yeah. yeah. And people, uh, you know, I have people who use it, you know, and they don't call it a meditation, but they do it all the time. And, and But it is also, you know, a perfect meditation. Yeah. And just, you know, it's, it's all about just becoming more conscious and more body conscious so that we're not in our heads so much. And I mean, everything. And I mean, you talk about it for eating as well. Like people talk about conscious eating. It really doesn't hit home until you read this book of what, how much it can change and influence you know, everything around us, conscious breathing was certainly part of the exercise meditation that we did. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how it's just about more awareness. And if we just slow things down, because usually we're in such a hurry. And when we're in such a hurry, we're not enjoying anything. We're not, we're not experiencing anything. We're just, we're distracting ourselves mostly. And and we're distracting ourselves mostly with thoughts 
and the mind. So it's, it's just a really fascinating way to kind of go through your life or your day and start with a day, um, (laughs) in, in, you know, in practicing being more aware and it, yeah, I, I can't say enough about this book because it just, it's so simple yet so powerful. And I really have not seen, you know, anything comparable to it to really allow you to understand or get it or feel it or however you want to experience it. I guess it's experience, experience peace. I mean, it's, it's definitely, if this is where you're wanting to go, if this is what your next step in your in your evolution, this is the book you want to read. And it's, you know, it is brilliant. We have quick fixes and one you mentioned, which is a yawn. I mean, it's just, it's a book full of experience. (laughs) Thank you. And um, yes, let me just add to that, that, um, and to provoke listeners out there that uh, feeling your body is very likely the most radical and a revolutionary act this world will ever see. It sounds so ridiculously simple, but this primary geography, this original landscape from which we explore all other geographies and landscapes around us is neglected and we're not aware it's neglected because we think about our body and worry about body image, etc. But body image and, and opinions about the body are not the same as the direct felt experience of our bodies. And when we, when we inhabit our bodies fully, we naturally quiet the mind and we begin to feel our true um, peace-filled nature in the here and now. This is the essence of awakening. So it is a radical and revolutionary act to feel our bodies because it changes our life on a personal level and it will be the key to transforming the planet as well. Yeah, and bringing peace <laughs> inside Absolutely. and outside. Yes. Thank you. Thank you again, Christopher. I, I want to try and make this a monthly um, show so that we can, you know, take certain aspects that give us difficulty and you can offer your wise and simple advice and to assist us to become more conscious. So I, you know, I'm very honored to, uh, to have met you and to uh, continue forward on this journey with you. My pleasure. Right. And uh, it was a pleasure uh, working with you again and talking with you again. And, and again, everyone out there, believe it or not, the peace you're looking for, you are already it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Christopher. Have a question for Lori and want to be on the next News from the Heart Show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. News from the Heart is brought to you by Intuitive Soul and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.